as, as Jesus comes riding into, uh, riding into uh, Jerusalem, uh, we, we, see, we see them begin to worship. We see their, their outcry. We begin to see the response they had toward Jesus Christ as he's riding into Jerusalem on this donkey and on the, the foal of the donkey there. Uh, and, and they begin to cry out in worship. You know, today we have many things that are called worship. Many things are called worship that truly is not worship. Some people have the, have the belief that, that in order to worship, you have to have a guitar. Now, we have a guitar, and I'm grateful for that. It adds a lot to the service. But if we didn't have a guitar, we could still worship. If we didn't have one instrument of music, we could still worship. Because worship is not, is not just a song. Worship is more than, more than singing. Worship is more than, uh, than, than just a, a gathering of people together. Worship is a right response to God. Worship is responding to God in the way He deserves. We realize the things that God has done for us. And the more we realize that Jesus Christ has done for us, the more we, the more we respond to Him in the way that He deserves. The more we learn about Him and, and learn who He is and learn of His power and His attributes... His character, His nature, we learn of His love. And aren't you glad that God loved us? Amen? Uh, the, Bible says, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I'm glad that God loved us. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We have salvation because of God's love for us. I'm grateful for His love. I'm grateful for His grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm grateful that we serve a gracious and a loving God. I'm grateful for His mercy. The Bible says we can come boldly unto His throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. He's so merciful. Mercy is, is when we don't get what we deserve. When we do not get the, the judgment for our sin that we deserve. That's His mercy. His grace is when He gives us forgiveness. When He gives us Himself. When He gives us eternal life that we don't deserve. I'm grateful that we serve a merciful God. The Bible says His mercy endureth forever. Praise God for His mercy. And as we, as we think about His love and His mercy and His grace and His many other attributes, I think of over there in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and, and the, the seraphims flying around crying one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. I'm grateful that we serve a holy God. I'm glad that our God is not a sinful God. I'm glad that He is holy. I'm glad that, in, that, that He's holy because in His holiness, His love is pure and holy. His mercy is pure and holy. His grace is pure and holy. And we know that His promises are pure and holy. And when He says, I'll forgive you and your iniquities, will I remember no more? We know that in His holiness that He can't lie. And so because He can't lie, He remembers our iniquities no more. He's so wonderful. What a great God we serve. And when we just take some time to think about who He is and consider who He is, we respond to Him. We respond to Him in the way He deserves. 
Maybe, maybe that's, that is uh, singing. Maybe, maybe while you're going through your day, you can think of, think of the wonderful things about God. And in your heart, you just overflow with joy and you just rejoice and sing. And sing unto the Lord and, and you praise Him. Maybe, maybe as, you're, as you're thinking about it, you just say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. You know, and maybe you just need to find you a spot all by yourself and lift your hands and, and begin to praise the Lord. Maybe while you're working along on your job, you just say, thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and you just can't help it, but you just say, thank you, Jesus. And one of your coworkers says, what was that? You say, I said, thank you, Jesus. What are you thanking Jesus for? Well, let me tell you. Amen. And then you get to tell somebody about the wonderful things that Jesus has done. Amen. Oh, uh, and, we're res- and it's all as we're responding to him in the way that he deserves. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves all of it. And, and notice it's, it's directed to him and it's bringing honor to him. It's not bringing honor to us. It's not so people will look at us and say, Woo, they are a good Christian. They said Jesus. Well, a lot of people say Jesus, and they are not worshiping. We ought never to use Jesus' name in swearing, cursing. We ought never to use Jesus' name as just an a exclamation, you know, as we're, you know, and just many times people say, and they just call out Jesus' name. Never, never, never use that holy name in such a way. The Bible says, the Bible says that he was given a name which is above every name. It's at his name that sin is that sin's power is broken. It's in his name that Satan turns and flees. It's in the name of Jesus that victory comes to me and you. It's in his name that human beings, that, that, that sinners like me and you, that sinners are saved. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why would we use a name that brings salvation uh, and, and use it for cursing? Or use it in a disrespectful way. Let's never be guilty of using his holy name in such a way. We, we see as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, uh, the, the people were excited. They'd heard, about, they'd heard about Messiah and they'd heard the prophecies. And they were excited about what was going on. And they were reminded of, about, about what was said about Jesus. And so we see their response of passionate worship we see their response of passionate worship and you know there's a lot of passionate worship that takes place across our across our world a lot of passionate worship and I believe that as a believer in Jesus Christ that you and I ought to worship him passionately it ought to be uh, full of uh, full of passion and, and energy, and we ought to be uh, we ought to be uh, worshiping him from our heart. Uh, we w- the Bible tells us we'll we'll come to that in in a, a, I think a next chapter. I think it's in chapter twenty two. Jesus says, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart." Hey, there ought to be passionate worship, but if if our worship can only be summed up as passionate, there's a problem. Because there's a lot of passion that takes place in the name of worship that is not honoring to God. It's not pleasing to God. 
And I believe as we look as we look at the life of these in, in this account here of these believer of these not believers these Jews here in uh, Jerusalem uh, these people of Israel uh, we we can see through the account of Scripture that theirs was just passionate. Have you ever known known anybody that that they were just easily excitable? And uh, as you as you read through the book of Acts, the Bible tells us in one place that uh, that uh, that some of the disciples, some of the believers, some of the Christians, they were uh, they were preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, and and uh, somebody got upset about that and stirred up the people, and there was a riot in the city, and they they rushed into the Colosseum, and the Bible says the more part had no idea, most of the people had no idea what the riot was about. They were just rioting. That kind of sounds like a lot of things that go on in our day, doesn't it? People just riot because, well, that's what they're doing. So, you know, I'm going to throw something and break something and carry a sign. I don't even know what it means, but I'll carry it because they are. We ought not be caught up in stuff like that. There's a lot of passion, but passion without purpose is foolishness. It leads to, it leads to, to sinful actions, and there ought to be a purpose for our passion. We see the Bible says the, disciple, uh, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad for disciples that go and do what Jesus says. Amen. And uh, you and I as disciples of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to go and do what Jesus says. Jesus had told them, go to the city over against you and uh, the village over against you and you'll find this donkey and, and, uh, and a foal there with the donkey. Bring them to me. And so they brought, the, they brought the donkey, and the Bible says, uh, they brought the ass and the colt and put, their, put, them, uh, put on them their clothes, and they set him there on. They, they took their robes and all and, and laid them on the donkey so Jesus would have kind of like a, a makeshift saddle, so to speak. And, uh, and, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. No doubt, as, as Jesus' uh, disciples had gone and they had gotten this, gotten this donkey and the foal there, uh, and the, somebody said, uh, what, what are you doing? And he said, the, ma- the, the Lord, the Master, has need of him. And so somebody said, the Master, the Lord, Jesus is out here. Let's go see what he's going to do this time. And so a lot of people began to follow. The Bible says multitudes, the multitudes. And they, they took their garments and spread them in the way to make, to make a way for the Lord. The Bible says some have cut down palm branches and laid them in the way to make a path for the Lord. As he passed by, the Bible says, a uh, very great multitude spread their garment in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the, Lord, uh, to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means, Lord, save us. So they're crying out for salvation. They're crying out this, this uh, they're voicing this praise and this prayer. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Hosanna to the Son of David. Lord, save us, Son of David. That sounds kind of like what the blind men said last, when we, what we are looking at last week, doesn't it? Have mercy upon me, O Lord, thou Son of David. These blind men, hey, the blind men saw him clearly for who he was. 
These people are crying out, Save us, O son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We see in Psalm 118, this is the, this is the scripture that they were quoting Psalm 119, the Bible says, verse 25, Save us now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. They're, they're quoting this and, and they're, they're drawing upon this prayer of David in Psalm 118 as they're saying this to, to Jesus, Hosanna in the highest. And, and they're, they're worshiping him and they're, or they're, they're crying out this in, in, in a form of worship. But in their hearts, they're really not believing what they're saying. They're calling him son of David. This, this title that refers to Jesus as Messiah. They're, they're using uh, this, uh, the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Attributing that to Jesus. The one that the prophets had said would come. Right, thy king, O Zion, would come riding upon an ass. And a colt, the foal of an ass, the Bible says. And, and as he's coming in, they're crying out. But in their hearts, they're saying these words. But in their hearts, they're not fully believing what they're saying. Jesus said, this people draweth nigh to me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. How, how can we say that they weren't really believing? Because notice what happens. Matthew 21, verse 10, and when he was coming into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. As as this multitude is is coming with Jesus into the city, the city is hearing this this passion. They're hearing the shouts. They're hearing the cries of Hosanna, and and the city comes out, and they're moved. It, It moved them to action, and their action was to find out what this ruckus is about. And they came out, the Bible says, uh, the, the, all the city was moved saying, who is this? There's this processional and there's this, this cry, uh, these cries of Hosanna. And the city says, who is this? And notice what the multitude says. This is Jesus. Do they say the Savior? Do they say Messiah? Do they say the Lord? No. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. Now, was Jesus a prophet? Absolutely. But that's not all he was. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a man. These people had been taught in their religion, Messiah was coming. And they held on to this idea of Messiah. And never truly made it personal that Jesus is Messiah. They looked and saw the prophecies and said, this is just another prophet. Another man. I pray that we never get so religious that we lose sight of who Jesus is. May we always remember that Jesus is more than just a figure in a story told so many years ago. May we never 
may, may we never get to the place where we think that Jesus is just an idea. Sometimes we talk about the, the accounts of, uh, that are in Scripture or the, the, the stories about Jesus, and, and it's, we almost put them in our minds and in our hearts as if, as if they're fairy tales. We equate them with you know, Cinderella or Snow White or whatever. But Jesus is, Jesus is not a fairy tale. He's real. And he's a person. He's a person that wants a relationship with you. And Jesus came as king of, of Israel. He came as king. And we, we must never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is a real person. He's not just an idea. He is God, not just a prophet. He's the savior, not just a social, uh, social justice warrior. Jesus came and the people were excited because they thought that Messiah was going to come with a sword and deliver them from the, from the uh, oppression of the Romans. And many in our day will use the name of Jesus and they'll use some teachings of Scripture to fight their social justice battles. But Jesus, and while Jesus is for, for, he's for justice for sure, and he's not for oppression, he's not for, uh, for uh, doing others wrong, Jesus is not for any of those things. Jesus was not just a social justice warrior, but for many, that is the sum total of their relationship with God. It has everything to do with social justice and nothing else. Jesus was more than just that. Jesus came not just to save us from oppression, he came not just to save us from, from, uh, from uh, wars. He came not just to save us from, uh, from persecution. He came not just to save us from hurt and from pain in our lives and other people doing one another wrong. He came to, not just to save us from turmoil and strife. Jesus came to save us from the problem that's behind every one of those things. And the problem is sin. Sin is our greatest enemy. And when man gives in to sin, he becomes an oppressor. When man gives in to sin, he becomes a persecutor. When man gives in to sin, there's no telling how far man will go. And Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to set us free from sin. And he offers salvation freely to everyone. He offers it to everybody. So he's, he's not just an idea. He's God. Notice this takeaway number one. We do not worship ideas or idols of men's design. Often people worship idols that man came up with. We don't worship an idol of man's design. We don't worship ideas of man's design. We worship God Almighty. We worship the creator of all. God with us. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus. We worship God the Son. We worship the one and only Savior, Jesus. Sad Israel didn't recognize him for who he was. They were passionate in their worship. They were excited about, about this procession. They thought that maybe he was coming to, to do something great. 
Who is this? Oh, he's a prophet. No, they missed it. They missed it. Hey, don't miss it this morning. He's not just a prophet. He's the Savior. He's Jesus. Their passionate worship, their their worship of just going through the motions and following after uh, teachings of old, but not personalizing this and and making uh, making the connection that Jesus is the one that they're serving there. Their passionate worship, their emotional experience, it, it led to polluted worship. When man begins to follow his passions and follow his heart, as the world will tell you to do, it will pollute your worship. And that's, that's why so many people are, are against, uh, they're against going to church because man has followed his heart, which, which is what the world tells you to do. Man has followed his heart and it has polluted his worship. It has polluted the message of Jesus Christ. It's polluted the, the purpose and the practice and, and everything. Let's see how it, how it happened in their day. The Bible says in verse 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God. So he's, he's come into Jerusalem with this, this great procession that's saying, Hosanna uh, to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And, and Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And he goes to the temple. And this is the temple of God. Now, a lot of the Old Testament, uh, the, the early chapters of the Old Testament, God is giving specific instructions on how the tabernacle, which was the, uh, the, the first temple, if you want to call it that, uh, the, the, the tabernacle was built. And then Solomon built the first actual uh, temple there in Jerusalem. And he went to great lengths to make sure that everything was just perfect the way that God would want it. And and God gave the design and he gave the orders for the practice that's supposed to take place in the temple. But through the years, people in their heart began to stray away here and there because they their ideas began to mix in. And, and well, this is important and this is important and this. And, and so they began to come up with their own sets of rules. And notice what happened. The Bible says Jesus came into, uh, went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seat of them that sold doves. And said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. See, the people had to, had to come to Jerusalem and, and, uh, and offer sacrifices. But their sacrifices, the scriptures said, had to be uh, spotless. They had to be without blemish. They had to be a certain kind and, and a certain nature. And so, and so many people would travel a long distance. And, and by the time they got to where they were going to, to get to the temple, their, their animals that they were bringing for sacrifice might have been injured along the way. And so they didn't want to take a chance. And then on top of that, the priests, which as we read the scriptures, we see the priests, they were corrupt. They were thieves. Jesus called them here, called the temple a den of thieves. He said, you're a bunch of thieves and robbers. You're crooked. You're dishonest. Now, why did he say that? 
Because the, the priests would go through and they would inspect the animals. And, and they would, if they saw anything that they could imagine would be a blemish, they'd say, nope, this cannot be offered as a sacrifice. But guess what? We have over here inspected and, and, uh, and uh, approved animals that you can purchase. And they'd charge a large price for them. Just outrageous. It's kind of like buying something at the airport, you know. Outrageous prices. It's crazy. You know, they want, uh, they, they want, uh, uh, they want $12 for a bottle of Coke or something like that. You know, I don't. Uh, but, uh, and then the Bible it says money changers. People had to come and pay their tax. If they didn't pay their tax by a certain time in their hometown, they had to come to Jerusalem and pay their tax. But because it was the temple of God, they would not accept foreign money. So they had money changers out there. And they would jack up the prices on the exchange rate and all of that. So they were making, they were making bank. So people kind of dreaded going to the temple. People didn't want to go to the temple to buy the, the doves or the, the lambs or whatever. People didn't want to go to the temple and pay the tax. It became a drudgery to them because of the thieves that were working there. Those that had make, made a mockery of worship. And in our day and time, many people have been turned away from, from the truth because there are a lot of mockers out there. There's a lot of frauds that call themselves pastors and preachers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of thieves that have turned the house of God that should be a house of prayer, they've turned it into a den of thieves, a den of robbers. They've made a mockery of serving the one true God. Shame on them. They're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Hey, it's this, for this reason right here that I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Whether, whether it's a hard copy like this or, or whether you have the Bible on, on a tablet or your phone or whatever. Now, if you, bring your, if you have your Bible on your phone or a tablet, please don't play games during church. I'll try to be a little more interesting than that. But, uh, but please, you know, focus on what's being said and so God is working in our hearts. But I encourage you to have your Bible so you see that what is being said is what the Bible says. It's not some idea that I came up with because if it's an idea I came up with, it's sure to be flawed. So I'm not asking you to just, just believe anything and everything I say because I say it. I want you to see that this is what the Bible teaches. See, that's where many people go wrong. They begin to introduce our ideas because, well... If God were to write the Bible today, I'm sure he would write it differently and he'd write it this way because this is more acceptable in our day and time. No, God's not looking, looking for his word to be acceptable to you. He's looking for you to be acceptable to him. Amen? Now, Jesus Christ makes us all acceptable to, G, to, to, to God the Father for salvation. But as believers, we need to do what he says for our lives to be acceptable to him. See, you and I, as, as individuals, we are acceptable, but our actions are not always acceptable. And it was the actions of these in the temple that, that were not acceptable to God. 
And so Jesus turned over the tables. And he cast out the money changers. And he, and he drove out the, uh, the, those that were selling the doves. And he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. See, they polluted the worship with their carnal desires. They polluted worship with, uh, with their, with their uh, theft and their uh, exalting things of this world. The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Hey, the, the ministry and serving God, it's, it's, not, it's not to make a dollar. I don't, I don't pastor this church to, to see how much money I can get out of it. I pastor because God's put a love in my heart for this city. And God's put a love in my heart for you. And I want, to, I want to teach you and I want to lead you through my example and through the preaching. I want to lead you in a way that, that, will, that will affect uh, your life positively so that when you stand before Jesus Christ, you hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the desire of our heart. That's why I want you to have your Bible. That's why I want you to see that this is, thus saith the Lord. It's not just, it's not just some ideas that I came up with. The Bible says, the people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Second Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, to beware of those that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness, and many times the form of godliness is not much more than just the building that they meet in. And the fact that they call themselves a church, that's about as godly as it gets in some places. Many places they don't even open the Bible. Many places uh, when they do reference the Bible, they're taking the scriptures and they're twisting them for their own benefit to, to support their agenda. And church should not be a place to support any agenda of man. It ought to be a place that is upholding the truth. The Bible says the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. We, the church, are to uphold the truth. We're to support the truth. And it's the truth of God's word. It is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. It's not by being good. It's not, by, it's not by our involvement in the community. It's not by any works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. And then after we have received his gift of eternal life, we, we experience his love for us. Then we respond to him out of a heart of love. And our love for him and his love for us compels us to go and tell the world that there is a Savior who will deliver them from their sins. And it compels us to live a life that is showing the world, no, I'm not perfect, but God is. I'm not perfect, but he's not finished with me yet. But hey, I'll tell you, let me, let me just pause right here. The fact that we're not perfect is no excuse to continue in that imperfection. God calls us to holiness. He calls us to, to surrender areas of our life to him. And there ought to be in, a, in every Christian's life that you ought to be able to look back and see areas where God has been working in your life and changing you more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. The Bible says as we look into, into the, uh, this book, 
It's looking into a glass or a mirror. And we're changed from glory to glory, it says. And what it's talking about is we are changed from the effects of the power of sin in our lives. Changed by the power of God to reflect the power of God through our lives. Showing the world what Jesus Christ can do. See, the word glory means evidence of the power. And we can see the glory of sin all around us, can't we? We can see the evidence of the power of sin at work in the lives of, of, in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And God wants to change us from the effects of the power of sin to, refi- to reveal the effects of the power of God. And that takes place as you and I humble ourselves to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, and follow the ways of God. So that we're not just saying we believe Him, but our life says we believe Him. See, our belief should dictate our behavior. The way we live should reveal what we believe. Someone said, we say what we think, but we live what we believe. Many of us think that God is good. Many of us think that God is holy and think that the Christian life is the way that we should live. But do we really live it? Is that what we really believe? You know, that convicts me. Because I'm, I'm human just like you. We all fail, don't we? We have a wrong attitude, a wrong reaction. We, we have, a, we have a, a wrong thought every once in a while. Maybe bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. Maybe covetousness where we're desiring things that God has not granted unto us. God says, that's sin. We need to confess it and forsake it. Let me tell you one thing, one, one practice that you can get in that will help you to overcome sin in your life. If you will make it a habit of getting in this, word, this, this book right here, God's Word. Every day. Get in God's word every day. And read it with the attitude of Lord whatever you say to me. I'm going to obey. Hey if you'll you'll get into into the word of God with that attitude. He'll change your life. He will change your life. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Jesus. Jesus. Revealed to them and he, he rebuked them for their polluted worship. Notice this. When we make Christianity about us. About our wants. About our dreams. Or what we think it should be. We are no longer following the plan of God. We, nor are we truly worshiping him. I hear many people say. Well I'm not going to that church because I don't like how they do this. And I don't like how they do that. And I don't like. Hey, but let me ask you this. Does it line up with the word of God? God's not asking you what you like. God says this is my word. Does it line up with that? If a church. If a, if a message from a church does not line up with the word of God. They don't even. Hey, this is kind of bold. And, and I don't mean to, to sound hateful. But they don't really have a right to call themselves a church. They're not a biblical church if they're not lining up with the word of God in what they preach and practice. Does it line up with the word of God? It's not, not what do I like. It does it line up with the word of God? If it does, praise God, let's do that. If it, or, or if it's another church that's, that's lining up with, with the word of God, we're going to pray for them and we're going to encourage them. Hey, amen. 
But if it's something that's not, I pray for them to, to either line up with the word of God or for the people in that church to find a place that does line up with the word of God. Because when we make Christianity about us, about our wants, about our dreams, about what we think it should be, we no longer are following the plan of God, nor are we truly worshiping Him. We're worshiping a God of our own making. Notice this. We're worshiping a God of our own making, a God made in our image. It's what we want, so that's what we're worshiping, a God made in our image. Takeaway two, when our worship evolves into entertainment, self-promotion or gratification or personal benefit, we're not worshiping Jesus, we're worshiping ourselves. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. They turned church into something to benefit themselves. They turned temple worship into something to benefit themselves. So they were no longer really worshiping God. They were worshiping themselves. Let's not let that happen. Let's, hey, can we agree together that we're going to guard? We're going to guard against that at Cross Point Baptist Church. We're going to guard against turning it into something that just fits our desires and just fits us when, when what we want and desire is different from the Word of God. We're going to guard against that. Because we, first and foremost, we must line up with the Word of God. Now, if what we desire is in line with the Word of God, praise God for that. But if it's not, we always must go with the Word of God because His way is always right. Can we agree together that that's what we're staying to? Amen? Amen. Hey, let's look at, uh, let's look at number three, uh, point number three, pure worship. Pure worship. We saw passionate worship, and there ought to be passionate worship, but if the worship is just passionate without purpose, then it can result into polluted worship. But when it's passionate with the purpose of honoring God, then it can, it can result in pure worship. Let's see what happens here. Verse 14, the Bible says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said, saith unto them, Yea, have you, not, have, you, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings? Thou hast perfected praise. Look, that Jesus healed the blind and the lame, and the children were around seeing what God did. They saw what Jesus did there in the temple, and there, Hosanna, Lord, save us, Lord. You're, you are the one. And the children recognized it. The children saw it and they were worshiping Jesus for who he was. That is pure worship. The priest, those who should have recognized, they're like, don't you hear what they're saying? Won't you stop them? Won't you stop all of this? And Jesus said, have you ever read your Bible? <laughs> it's kind of sad when, when, when God has to ask a preacher, uh, the priest and all that, have you read your Bible? <laughs> Isn't it? But Jesus said, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise? Pure worship comes forth out of a pure heart. These children had not had the opportunity for so much sin to pollute their hearts and minds. They'd, had, they'd not had the opportunity for cynicism to pollute their hearts and minds. And they were just worshiping Jesus because he's God. He's the one that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he said, 
Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, look, you're never going to be doing the will of God. You're never going to be really serving God until you become like a child and have childlike faith to just believe God, to just trust God. And obey him. John 4. The Bible says. But the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not just outward actions. It's not just going through the motions. But it's our attitude. The attitude of our heart. It's our spirit worshiping God. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. In reality we're truly worshiping him. Not doing what's, what's bringing attention and focus to us, but bringing a, the focus and attention to God and letting everybody see how awesome and how wonderful Jesus Christ is. Oh, what a Savior is He. Luke 19 and verse 40 says, He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, even the stones would, cry, would immediately cry out. This is, this is the account in Luke of what we're reading in Matthew. The priest said, don't you hear what these are saying? Why don't you tell them to be quiet? And Jesus said, hey, if these should hold their peace, the stones, the rocks on the ground around us would immediately begin to cry out. Hey, I don't want a rock doing my praising. I don't want, I don't want rocks to, to praise God because I'm not. Hey, we ought to recognize Him for who He is and, and realize what He's done and, and worship Him for, for being God, for being our Savior, for being our Lord, for His grace, His love, and His mercy. We know that God's Word is true. We know He will never lead us wrong. Church, what if we believed, obeyed, and followed Him with childlike faith? What if we responded to him in uh, what if we responded to him as a child in awe and wonder? You know, my son Noah likes to do little magic tricks and little card tricks and stuff like that. And and whenever he does, I'm like, oh, how'd you do that? You know. But I love I love it when when I love to to be able to watch him doing that and people around you know as he's as he's doing little tricks and everything and people. Are like, Whoa, what? what? How'd you do that? And they're just amazed. And especially the little kids. Are, oh, you know, hey, and, and, and it's just a trick. It's like, you know, sleight of hand or whatever you might call it. It's a trick. But God's not tricking anybody. He really has the power. He really has the power to give the blind their sight. He really has the power to help this one that was, that was lame and could not walk. To give them strength in their feet and in their legs to walk. He really has the power to heal the leper. He really has the power to raise the dead. And what if we saw the things that God is doing. The lives that he is changing that are seated all around you. And even your own life we see how God has changed us. And what if we were just oh, in all of that. And responded to God in the way he deserves. And saying, God, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Lord, whatever you want from my life, that's what I want to do. Because I want you to be glorified. And I want your power to be at work in my life. Because that's what you deserve. What if that was our response? We could take away three. Pure worship 
is responding to our God in the way he deserves. That's pure worship. That's true worship. Now, let me ask you this. How often do you truly worship? How often do we truly worship? Oh, it's fun to sing a song, especially one of these that's, you know, peppy and got some rhythm to it and excitement and all of that. It's fun to sing those songs. But to just sing those songs just for the sake of singing it, it, it's not worship. But to take into our hearts the, the message and to respond to God. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes you might find yourself just singing a tune that, you know, there's no song like it, you know. Of course, with a lot of people, what they sing is no song like it, right? Um, but uh, but you, might, you might find yourself saying, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Glory to the Lamb. You might just you know, come up with something on your own, and that's okay. You got melody in your heart that you should sing to the Lord and worship Him and praise Him because it's what He deserves. And He'd, he'd, rather, he'd rather hear your off-key singing from your heart a song that just is produced out of a heart of love and responding to Him for His grace and mercy. Something that just comes off your heart and mind rather than you. He'd rather hear that than hearing you sing, sing any of these wonderful songs that we sing around here just from your mind and not mean a word of it. Doing it professionally or whatever. Because He wants to hear you from your heart in pure Worship. Now remember what he's done for us. So let's respond to him. Lord Jesus, you came and you showed yourself for who you truly are. Our wonderful Savior, God. I thank you for that. And while Israel... Did not many, many there in Israel did not recognize you for who you are. They did not respond to you in the way that you, that you deserve. Help us to not make that same, that same error. Help us today to respond to you in the way you deserve. That starts with surrendering to you and, and receiving your gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray that if there's any here today that has never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, they've never received your gift of eternal life, I pray that today will be the day that by faith they trust you. For those of us who are saved, it means surrendering our will, our desires, our focus to you. Surrendering our lives, as, as Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, we, we want to do your will. So we surrender to you. And we praise you. As we come boldly into your throne of grace, where we find mercy 
and where we find grace to help in our time of need. Lord, we have needs. There are many in our midst today that are, that, that are carrying needs. Some are spiritual needs, some are emotional needs, some are relational, some are physical needs. Lord, whatever it may be, I, I pray that we would come and trust you to do with it what only you can as we yield these to you. And we want to thank you for taking care of it. In Jesus' name.